out here goes out to all the babies, mamas, 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 mamas. <laughs> well, hello and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the collision of original and sample tracks and the artists who made them. I'm your host, Joe Watson. I'm here with my co-host, Toby Braswell. What's up, Toby? Not too much, man. How are you? Um, I don't know, man. I'm, yeah. good. I'm good. That's a loaded question. I loaded don't know question. how to answer it. All right, all right. Let's get back to music then. <laughs> okay, that's a great idea. Well, together, we listen to the legendary tracks and the timeless, but sometimes not so well-known songs that they sampled from. So, Mr. Braswell, what are we listening to today? We are listening to a song called Miss Jackson by one of the best duos in hip-hop, Outkast, from their fourth studio album, Stankonia. Why don't we hop in the DeLorean and see what track was sampled to make this hit? Rewind! Well, sir, can you tell the good people what we are listening to? So this is the artist Shuggy Otis and his song Strawberry Letter 23. Now, Joe, I'm going to leave it up to you yeah. to explain a little bit more, tell the good people a little bit more about Shuggy. Can we oh, do okay. that? You want, you, you want a little... Sh- yeah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Alexander Veliotes Jr. was born on November 30th, 1953. So take note of the junior in his name. His uh-huh. father was the legendary Johnny Otis, the singer, musician, composer, and producer extraordinaire that has been called the godfather of rhythm and blues. See, I love when we can make connections, and this is an easy one, right? So back in our last episode in Etta James, Johnny was the one who discovered Etta at a talent show when she was only 13 years old. And he actually co-wrote and produced her song, The Wallflower, or otherwise known as Dance With Me Henry. Mm-hmm. Well, Johnny Otis discovered many artists, including Big Mama Thornton and Jackie Wilson, and he also had a long career as a successful artist with numerous top ten hits on the R&B charts. So let's hear Willie and the Hand Jive, which went to number one in 1958 and was later covered by many artists, including Eric Clapton. Willie said, Papa, don't put me down. Yeah. So the father was definitely a legend, but let's get back to the son. Rather than calling him Junior, his mother nicknamed him Shuggy, a variation of the word sugar. Now, he certainly demonstrated some sweet musical talent early on. Yeah, well, he started playing guitar. By the way, nice nice one there. Totally. You like sweet, that? Sweet, sugar, I, I gotcha. Thank you. He started playing guitar at the age of two, which I'm, I have no idea how that's possible. Man! Like, I was, you know, trying to put stack blocks. I'm not sure how you can wrap your <laughs> hands around a fretboard, but... He started performing professionally with his father at age 11. How do you do that? I don't know. Well, he'd have to wear a false mustache <laughs> and some shades, true story, in order to be out late in the clubs. You know, I'm not sure that's the best environment for a preteen, but Man. he certainly got some early life lessons. So I think you might be referring to some other work he did with his dad, specifically the Sexually Explicit album, as part of a group whose name I'm not sure we can even say on this family show. I don't think we can. You think we can? I don't know. Okay. Let's not. You want me? I, I won't <laughs> do it. Let's not do that. <laughs> hey, fans, look it up. Yeah. Look it up. So he took the nickname Prince Wonderful for that album and was clearly getting some kind of education. Sure. At the age of 16. Yeah. Well, he was 
also at that young age, working behind the scenes with, with other artists, including Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. So let's listen to Shuggy play bass on Zappa's song, Peaches and Regalia, which was the single off of his 1968 solo album, Hot Rats. So he's getting after it. Laying down a nice little... I mean, if you're working with Zappa, you got to get after it, so... Show that, show that. So in 1970, Shuggy released his debut solo album, Here Comes Shuggy Otis. It caught the attention of a lot of folks, including B.B. King, who dubbed Shuggy his new favorite guitarist. Now, that is fantastic and high praise. That is very high praise. Well, let's take a listen to the song Oxford Gray from that album. And you know what? I think you'll hear how Shuggy was influenced by another legendary guitarist, Jimi Hendrix. Right? I totally got a Hendrix vibe. Oh, my goodness. You know what? As, as a as a hip-hop producer, I'm listening to this. I'm like, man, somebody had to have... The first time I heard it, I was like, somebody had to have sampled yeah. this, well, right? Well, it turns out they did, Toby. <laughs> so in 2002, the Queen's hip-hop group Infamous Mob would sample Oxford Gray for their song Big Twins on the debut album Special Edition. Let's take a listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Woo. That's a good that's a good track to sample, man. That's beautiful. You did some things. In 1971, Shuggy would release his second album, Freedom Flight, on Epic Records. This contains our first feature track, Strawberry Letter 23, and both the single and the album would chart on the Billboard Hot 100. But the most famous version of this song is the Brothers Johnson version from their 1977 Right On Time album. Let's give it a listen. Hello, my love. I heard a kiss from you. You know, these cats keep showing up in episodes, and I, I it's kind of like Bootsy. I just want to have them in every episode. <laughs> yeah. So this version hit number one on the R&B charts and number five on the Hot 100. Now, this is definitely the version that I'm more familiar with. Absolutely. For sure, and I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with it as well. Here's an interesting tidbit about the song's lyrics. So in the chorus, they sing Strawberry Letter 22 rather than 23. That's because letter 22 refers to the previous letter from their lover, and letter 23 is the response in the musical form of a song. Huh. And that, that that's uh that's know. some that's that's deep, man. Mm-hmm. That's what we call reading. I, I thought it right. <laughs> I thought it was like a twenty-two, twenty-three and me reference. Yeah, I, I wasn't like, did sure. You, did you was, mess up? Right. Oh, no? okay. Oh, yeah, I didn't mess up. up. That was intentional. My that. bad. You can count. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shogi's original version may not have charted as high, but it was sampled by some pretty big names. First, let's hear how Beyonce uses it for the song Be With You from her 2003 Dangerously in Love album. Oh, yeah, I remember this track. Yeah. Oh, here we go with the mixtape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in 2017, DJ Pretty Lights, and that's a name, DJ Pretty DJ Lights. Pretty Lights. 
So DJ Pretty Lights would also sample Strawberry Letter 23 for the track Rainbows and Waterfalls. Wow. Pretty this, Lights, Rainbows, Waterfalls. I'm this saying is, all you need is unicorns, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, let's give that a spin. Thanks, man. I like that. That's all right. And, of course, there is our second featured artist for this episode, Outcast. But, you know what? This is where things get a little tricky. Indeed. I am not sure where this sample is at on their Ms. Jackson track. So, me either. And I've listened to it, trying to find the sample, but it's not standing out to me. And there's some discrepancy on the interwebs in regards to it. So, Wikipedia mentions the sample in multitude of places, but who sampled makes no mention of it at all. Nothing. Well, it's also weird because Wikipedia lists Shogi Otis as having a songwriting credit, but Discogs does not. I don't know. how the, All the Wikipedia entries say that the sample has been significantly altered. Okay, that, that might be true. It might explain why we're not hearing it. Listeners, you now have a job to do. If anyone has some insight on this one, please let us know. So I will say this, knowing how that Outcast as a group, they shy away from using samples yeah. typically. Yeah. It makes sense that they altered it. If they were going to sample something, right. they altered it a lot. So that makes sense. I just can't find exactly where it is or if it was reversed. Sure. Or, and I can't really figure it out. But regardless... We couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk about these two artists and point out that samples or interpolations are not always glaringly obvious. Sometimes they are modified so much in production that they're unrecognizable. Well, that's kind of what you said, right? So it kind of begs the question, is it necessary at that point? Do you have to give credit? So what point does it become an entirely new creation? Because everything is inspired by something. So I don't know if they did take it and they did all sorts of cool stuff to it. Should they have given a writing credit? Well, I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting that they did and that they, you know, obviously they would have paid for it, right? They would have paid, you know, you're paying something during that time. You know, if, if you get caught. Credit. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, then there's that. Then there's that. Well, regardless, it's here now. I'm happy that they did it. Absolutely. It's a great song. Right, it is a great song. Well, speaking of inspiration, Shuggy's next album, Inspiration Information, was released in 1974, which, as we've said, is a fantastic year. Yes. It took three years. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> three years to create because he wrote and arranged and played all the instruments except for the horns and maybe some strings. So let's hear the song from that album. It's a track called Not Available. Man. Does this make you think somebody should sample it, Toby? Yeah, again, <laughs> it does. So, so listeners, let's take a listen to how Jay Dilla sampled Not Available for his 2006 album Donuts on the Donuts outro track. Have you listened to this entire album? No. Should oh, I? Yeah, dude. Okay. This is, uh, I'll put it on the list. Uh, yeah, I'm not even the biggest Jay Dilla fan, yeah. but this right here is largely, it's a... It's a it's just a musical album, essentially. It's just there's no lyrics really yeah. for it, you know. But I mean, this it outro is, was only you know 14 seconds or something. No, you so. got to listen to the whole thing, yeah, back to back. It's an experience. I will do that. Please do. Well, Beyonce again used a Shuggy sample. I feel like that should be a, a band name too, right? Shuggy sample. Shuggy sample. Shuggy sample. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look, I think that 
with inspiration, information, yeah. I think that there should be one called, especially since we deal with business leaders all the time, mm-hmm. that one should be called analysis paralysis. Wow. Right? I think that that That's should good. be another one. I, I like th- it. I, I think it should be one. Okay. I'll work on that. Well, we're going to get a running list going. Right. <laughs> well, Beyonce, like I said, she took a shuggy sample. You got to say it like that, too. Shuggy sample <laughs> for another track on her Dangerously in Love album. So let's hear Shuggy's song, Rainy Day. Sounded like Yogi Bear there. Shuggy Zamble. Shuggy Hey, boo boo. Does sound like a rainy day. I got kind of a, a lazy, warm, soft mm-hmm. rain. Yeah, no thunder. No thunder. No thunder. So now let's hear how Beyonce used it for the song Gift from Virgo. Hmm. Pretty guitar chords, Beyonce's voice. That is a recipe for success, my friend. (laughs) I wish I could. Yep, true that. All right. Well, there's a cool video on YouTube that has this song playing over a 1948 cartoon. Is that right? From the Department of Agriculture Forest Service. Yeah. So, listeners, go look that one up. (laughs) So, question... Why was the Forest Service making cartoons? I mean, <laughs> is, is that preventing forest fires at all? Is that is that doing it? No, Toby. Only you oh can boy. prevent forest fires. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. And only the title track of Inspiration Information broke the Hot 100. But Shuggy was still getting noticed in the industry. Billy Preston asked him if he wanted a tour with the Rolling Stones. He declined Stupid. the offer. <laughs> Stupid! That... Is Joe, is this, is this, all right, you know what, let me continue on. Yeah. Okay, okay, let me continue on. So then he was asked if he wanted Quincy Jones. Sure. To produce his next album. Yes, please. Once again, uh-huh. he declined. Come on. Oh. So oh, with all this, all this declining. Yeah. I, I, I beg to just, I, what was going on? Why? Why would you say no? Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. That's, that's life Rolling Stones and Quincy Jones. And Quincy Jones. Right? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know about that. Well, all that declining led to a big drop from the record label. <laughs> yep. And so the only sugar we got for the rest of the 70s was his session work on his dad's projects. So David Byrne, former frontman of Talking Heads, founded a label in 1988 called Luca Bop, and it reissued Shuggy's work in 2001 with the double album Wings of Love. And in a 2013 interview with The Village Voice, here's what Shuggy had to say about his career. Maybe we'll get some answers here, too. Here we go. Let's try. I always wanted another record deal. I never ran from the music. Rolling Stone magazine said I retired at 22. That pissed me off when I read that. I, I couldn't believe it. I said, who's writing this and why? Is it my fault that I retired because I can't get a record deal? I will never retire. Put that down. I'm never retiring. I'm a musician, and musicians can't retire. I love that last line, musicians can't retire. And let me say this, that I always wanted another record deal, his his quote there. That's not true, because if you had recorded with Quincy Jones, you would have made sure you had had a a lot of record deals. A lot. Yeah, that's true. True to his work, Shuggy released a new album in 2018 on Cleopatra Records called Interfusion. Let's have a listen to the track Woman. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. Little rock, a little fusion. Yeah. Good stuff. I ain't mad at that. All right, Tom. I think it is time that we turn our attention to our second featured artist. Can you do the honors, please? With pleasure. Andre Benjamin, a.k.a. Andre 3000, and Antoine Patton, a.k.a. Big Boy, met while attending Tri-Cities High School in Atlanta, Georgia. This was a performing arts high school and a perfect place to make a name for yourself in rap circles. One way for young MCs to do this was to battle each other in the cafeteria during lunchtime. Food fight! Oh, wait, not that kind of... Right, 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 right. right. Well, initially they were rivals, but later decided to team up and form a group. Their first group was named Two Shades Deep, but after a while they decided the name didn't fit anymore, and so they decided to go with another one, The Misfits. So you mean these guys, right? Nope, wrong, misfits. <laughs> Although, I would I'd be interested to hear some Glenn Danzig and Outcast work together. That would be kind of cool to put them together. Andre would be all over that. He would, probably. So that was the punk band The Misfits and their 1979 track Where Eagles Dare. Also the name of a fantastic movie with Clint Eastwood. Okay. Where Eagles Dare. Fantastic oh, movie. Look this one up too. You do, I you have need homework to. for this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad and I, we, we love that movie. We watch that over and over again. Nice. So regardless, so since a lot of groups don't like sharing their names, Dre and Big Boy decided to go with a synonym and settled on Outkast. It's impossible to talk about Outkast without mentioning the production team behind them. That production team is none other than Organized Noise, which was composed of Rico Wade, Ray Murray, and Patrick Sleepy Brown. For our faithful Riffs on Riffs listeners, you will remember our TLC episode where we discussed their hit Waterfalls. Well, those cats are also behind hits like this. This is on my workout, man. I'm, I'm waiting for you to start, you know. Man! Oh, my goodness. This beat is sick, though. Oh, my goodness. I love it. So that was Ludacris' hit Saturday from his album Word of Mouth, released in 2001. Besides that hit, they also produced this hit from Goody Mob in 1998. You know what they don't do anymore, Tobe? What don't they do? That's it. <laughs> they don't dance Good job, no more. Joe. Yeah. The whole point of highlighting these songs is to show their diversity of production. Benjamin and Patton met organized noise member Rico Wade outside of a beauty supply store that Wade worked at. Where else would you meet? I mean, where else? <laughs> Producers and where else do MCs and producers meet? Outside I know of where I'm going to start hanging out. I need to change my stars. Where's, the, where's the Sally's around here? <laughs> well, what's cool is that they performed right there on the spot, and the rest is history. So Rico invited the duo to the dungeon, which is basically that does not sound good. <laughs> well, that, that's what happened. I'm getting to like a Pulp Fiction vibe here, and wow, I'm not liking it. Oh boy, well, get medieval, huh? No, no, no. Wow. So which was uh, it, it, so the dungeon is basically a studio located in Rico's mother's basement. Yeah, that's not that's not sounding any better. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't. I'm about to clean it up though. I'm about to clean it up. Okay. So this is the place where all the rappers affiliated with Organized Noise would meet and work on. Their craft and the preparation and hard work paid off because it led them to an audition with Mr. 
L.A. Reid from LaFace Records. Well, obviously, that's a, that's a pretty big audition. L.A. Reid is someone that can, speaking of changing your stars, he can change the trajectory of anyone's career. So after they auditioned for him, Reid stated that, eh, he liked their raps, liked their music, but eh, he didn't see him becoming stars. Did, wait, wait, didn't he do the same thing <laughs> in a previous episode? Who was it that... It, it slips my mind. It was Gaga. Didn't he like, didn't he? Was it Gaga that he did yeah, that with? I think it was. Oh, my God. Well, let's not ruin this story. Okay. Because this story has a different end result. Okay. Keep okay. going. Obviously, this was a huge blow for both of these guys. But lucky for all of us hip-hop fans, they decided to keep sharpening their skills. The Dungeon Family was the name of the hip-hop and R&B collective based around the Dungeon Studio, and both Benjamin and Patton considered it to be a boot camp to get them ready for the next audition. Well, they eventually got another chance to perform in front of Mr. L.A. Reid. And this time, he was blown away by their sound and their stage presence, and he signed them soon after. But this is kind of weird. Their first single was to be released on the LaFace Family Christmas okay. album. Okay, so if someone were to ask me, like, what... Uh, you know, to challenge me as an MC, it yeah. would be to write a or like a debut song, right? And make it a Christmas. Ooh, that song. is a rough gig right there. That is uh, that 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 is tough, especially if you know this is the first song for all the masses to hear. It's not an easy task. They weren't happy about it, but this is the type of situation where stars are made. Mm-hmm. Let's take a listen to Players Ball. I made it through another. You can't act for nothing much more. It's out. So, this hook is sick. The hook is sick, and that's what got me initially. But I went back and looked at all of the lyrics, and you know that they wrote this song specifically as a Christmas song. It is lyrically dope. Like, it is really, really good. Like, they didn't want to write a Christmas song, so they wrote it from the other side. Like, Christmas ain't really a good time for us around here. And I, I love it. Good job. Well, Players Ball was well-received and peaked at number 37 on the Billboard Hot 100 and prompted the group to keep working to finish up their debut album. Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music was released on April 26, 1994 and was entirely produced by Organized Noise. Look, I love that they use live instruments throughout the whole album. I knew that you would like that. I knew that, that you would like that for sure, just knowing you as a person. And it definitely helped them stand out from the counterparts and attracted a lot of fans. It also attracted detractors as well. A lot of people were looking at them as more of a street version of like Arrested Development with a Hyro type of flow. All right, so when you say like Hyro, are you talking about Egyptian? Good question. Good question. No, I'm actually talking about a West Coast hip-hop collective composed of groups like Del the Funky Homo Sapien, Casual, Pep Love, and these guys. So these guys, their flow... They changed the game. And a lot of people don't talk about them. Yeah. But they changed the game. Their flow changed and, and influenced a lot of people that have bigger names than they do. Why don't you tell the people who these guys are, Tom? Mm-hmm. We'll certainly do. That track is called 93 Till Infinity from West Coast hip-hop group Souls of Mischief. All of these comparisons didn't stop Outkast from releasing their second album, AT Aliens, on August 27, 1996. This album started to showcase the differences in style and approach between the two MCs. So they had met when they were teenagers, and their maturation began to be illustrated in their music as well as in their personal lives. 
Andre, stopped smoking weed. Good call. Returned to high school and <laughs> earned his diploma. Really good call. Really good call. Became vegan and started showing more of an eccentric style when it came to his clothing. Meanwhile, Antoine became a father for the first time, so I'm sure people had the question. Will these changes affect their music, and can they be successful with their next release? So, the MC Common has a line that I feel is so apropos for that question. He says, time is real. We can't rewind it. Out of everybody I met who told the truth, time did. AT Aliens went double platinum and showcased more of a futuristic sound. Let's take a listen to their first single, Elevators, Me and You. Are we going to the same floor, me and you? I hope. (laughs) Two years later, their third album, Equemini, was released in September of 1998. The title is a combination of both of their Zodiac signs and highlights the difference between both Benjamin and Patton's personalities and styles. On this album, they continued to use live instrumentation due to all the success that they had had on the previous album. The gamble paid off as this album went platinum two months after its release, double platinum eight months later. So this album peaked at number two on the Billboard 200 and is listed on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Let's take a listen to their first single, Rosa Parks. Well, this song made a lot of noise due to the fact that it's named after the civil rights activist of the same name. Outcast was sued, and eventually the case was settled out of court. The lawsuit did not stop the song from charting at number 19 on the Billboard Hot R&B and Hip Hop charts and number 55 on the Hot 100. So Outkast's fourth studio album, Stankonia, was released on October 31, 2000 and featured production by Outkast's own production team, Earth Tone, as well as continued collaboration with Organized Noise. The album debuted at number two and sold over 530,000 copies in the first week. It also contains our second feature song, Miss Jackson. Let's take another listen. So, Joe, let me say this. We're around the same age. We have a lot of friends that have been in a lot of different types of relationships or whatnot. I've listened to a lot of hip-hop songs, right? And I can't remember too many songs that artistically speak to the mother of the love interest of an MC. It really stood out in this song. And both Patton and Benjamin basically tell their side of baby mama drama mm-hmm. in a mostly, mostly. respectful Right. Yeah, up to that third verse. That third verse, he kind of lets loose line. Well, but, yeah. but apparently, wasn't there a story where Ms. Jackson actually like has that license plate and she digs the song? So apparently she took it in stride. So be it. Well, it's a great track, and it wasn't alone. There were plenty of other great songs on this album, like this one. Yeah, it's the national underground, underbounds when I stop the ground. Like a million elephants, a silverback, orangutans, you can't stop a train. Who wants up, don't come unprepared. I'll leave there, but when I leave there, better be a household name. Brother man telling us it ain't gonna rain. So now we So this song right here is called B.O.B., a.k.a. Bombs Over Baghdad. Now, I see your great single and raise you another. Oh, it's like that, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Game on. How about So Fresh, So Clean? This song is dope. Love this song. Was this one written about you, (laughs) Tobe? Could have been. (laughs) 
Well, like we talked, I do love when live instruments are used to make music versus just sampling stuff. So maybe that's one reason why people appreciate OutKast as much as they do. Agreed, agreed. I don't think there's another hip-hop group that uses real instruments as effectively and consistently as OutKast, outside of maybe the legendary Roots crew. Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a group we need to do an episode on. But for now, back to OutKast. They continue to blaze trails with the release of Speaker Box, The Love Below. This was to be their fifth studio album, which was a double album with each artist having their own album to express their particular art. So for this album, OutKast released two singles, actually on the same day, which was kind of crazy. Both singles being released on the same day. And they're both great singles. And they're both great, right? So Patton's The Way You Move and Andre's Hey Y'all both blazed the charts. There's no way we can pass up an opportunity to yes, play sir. them both. Yes, sir. So first, let's hear a bit of the way you move so click at the ticket let's see your seatbelt fasten trunk rattling like two midgets in the back seat rattling speaker box vibrate the tag make it sound like aluminum cans in a bag but I know y'all wanted that 808 can you feel that B-A-S-S bass but I know y'all wanted that 808 can you feel that B-A-S-S bass <laughs> Toby I'm not gonna lie I'm not liking the way you're moving <laughs> speak for yourself buddy <laughs> <laughs> do love that track though so Let's listen to the other one. Hey ya. Video for this is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So creative, man. Well, I also want to give a big thank you to Outcast for introducing a whole new generation to Polaroid pictures <laughs> and their shaking requirements. <laughs> so, so true. So speaking of requirements, I think we are contractually obligated to move on to our bonus material. What? So soon? So soon. All so right. soon. So I thought it would be cool to examine how many people have actually sampled Ms. Jackson, especially this line. Hope we feel like this forever, 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 ever, forever, ever, forever, never seems that long. So the list is long, my friend. Okay, so long. In fact, it's been sampled over 60 times. But let's go through a couple just for fun. First, we have Kanye West's single, Diamonds from Sierra Leone. He gives it like a little Bill Withers slant, right? He just adds a few more... <laughs> Ever, yeah. Ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then you also have Fat Joe and Dre featuring Eminem and Mary J. Blige with a track called Lord Above. Yeah, it's called Forever, Ever, Ever, mm. Ever, Ever, Ever Family Ties. Sing it, Mary. The music on this is nice. It's a nice track. And for fun, why don't we add the track Lights, Camera Action by the Lost Boys frontman, Mr. Cheeks. Yeah. I used to love that song. My yeah, goodness. It's another one we can't play a ton no, of. But we really cannot. Good track. So recently, DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled. Oh boy. We the best. Oh boy. Like okay. So sample he sampled this track for his single Just Us featuring SZA. Let's give that a listen. <laughs> I 
called it. <laughs> I'm sorry. But like, if we're going to take it, do something. I don't know. Well, I think that is all the time we have, my friend. So, can you tell the listeners what we covered? Our first feature artist was Shiggy Otis and his song, Strawberry Letter 23. And our second feature artist was Outkast and his song, Ms. Jackson. Our bonus material examined a few other tracks that have sampled Ms. Jackson. And so, what do we have lined up for our next episode? We're going to pet some kitties, play with dolls. Oh, nice. Okay. And hope they don't turn out to be evil women. Oh, my. That took a turn I was not <laughs> expecting. Don't bring me down. Don't bring you down. Bruce. As always, <laughs> thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time for Riffs on Riffs. Thanks for listening. Huzzah. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, Isabel Robertson. Audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. You can listen to more episodes of Riffs on Riffs by finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. I'm your host, Joe Watson. And I'm your co-host, Toby Braswell. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.